0: good morning church good morning good morning we are so glad to be with you so glad that we can gather together and uh, we're going to do something that we haven't done yet and we just want to invite you to pray with us um, to lead us in prayer and so you can do that um, wherever you're gathered if you're gathered with people i want you to pray out loud um, if you're watching online you're on the church online platform i just want you to type in a quick prayer an invitation of god an opportunity for us to hear and gather, and join our voices together just as we prepare for worship. So I'm going to give you just a few, a few moments to do that, and then I'm going to close us and move us into worship. Thank you, Lord. And so, Father, we know that you hear our cries, you hear our voices, you hear uh, all of the things that we bring before you. You hear us as we praise you and we glorify you. You hear us as we bring our needs before you. And so we, we intentionally set this time aside to be your church, gathered together, raising our voices to you. And so we adore you, Lord. We love you. Be glorified as we sing. Amen.
1: I'm mm-hmm.
2: thank you so much for the example that you've given us and we thank you for your patience with us. God, we thank you for your justice and your mercy. God, I just pray for our leaders right now and I pray for our families, for our children, from the youngest to the oldest. I pray that you would just turn the hearts of your people towards you, God, and that you'd bring healing to your nation. Thank you. You are the King of Kings, you are the High God, and you are our Savior and our love. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to take a short five-minute break, um, invite you to get your coffee and your tea and to get your kids set up with their um, classwork if they Hi, my name is Amelia Thorpe. Hi, my name is Judah. Hi, I'm Ethan Afee. Hi, my name is Ben. I've been at Crossroads for eight years. And I've been at Crossroads for seven years. I've been attending Crossroads for six years. I have been attending for almost two years. My favorite part of our youth group
3: in high school was going on mission trips with the whole youth group in Vancouver where we got to see lots of homeless organizations and we got to work with them and get food and help in the shelters.
2: My favorite memory from high school would be the Manning Park trip, which was a ski and snowboard trip. My favorite memory of high school is playing rugby. It's probably visiting the Supreme Courts in Vancouver and getting to watch some high-profile cases. This helped strengthen my wish to become a humanitarian lawyer.
3: Now that I'm done high school, I'm looking forward to practicing my music a lot, skateboarding as much as I can, and working hard.
2: My summer and fall would probably be working and saving up money. This summer I am working to be able to afford tuition at Trinity Western University where I will study political science for the minor in human services.
3: This summer I'm up in Egmont making some money working and then hopefully I'll be moving to Mexico in the fall.
4: Happy Sunday, Crossroads Church family. Welcome back. I hope you have your coffee in hand and your notebook ready because we have a special treat today. Um, Monthly, our church gives to the Global Alliance Fund. And this morning, you're going to meet Brent and Rianne White, who are some of our missionaries that are actually heading out into the field in the next little bit. And so I'm just going to introduce you and ask some questions um, to our friend Rianne here. And so you can learn a little bit about them so that you have, you know, typically back in the day, you would have in the lobby, this picture that's dusty in the foyer of your missionary, but we really want to make this interactive. So when you are giving money um, that you see a face and a family and you know them and you know what they're doing. So welcome Rianne to Thank our you. garage. Thanks. <laughs> it's
5: very nice. Yeah. <laughs>
4: so Rianne, what I really want our church to hear about is how you and Brent and your family have made this decision. Give us a little history and give us a little quick synapse about, um, who you guys are and your children. hmm
5: Um, yeah, so I'm Rianne and, uh, I grew up in Chilliwack and, uh, just over my teenage years, God just kind of moved in me to, um, to just care for those that, um, are put in situations outside of their control. And, uh, that was, um, just kind of a, a launching pad for the rest of my life. And, um, yeah, through different experiences, um, just continue to move towards that um, and then I met my husband Brent um, who also just individually had that call from God to um, to care for those um, in need and just to share the gospel overseas um, so we we met and married um, quite quickly and uh, actually had intention to um, to move overseas quite quickly after being married um, but also quite quickly we became pregnant and uh, and we had twins and so um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had uh, twin girls. Um, they're now five, and uh, we yeah just felt in that time God telling us just to slow down um, that um, we needed to take care of our family. And you know, with with the twin pregnancy, it was it was a medium risk, but everything went well. Um, but after the girls were born, uh, discovered that they had some health uh, issues that we needed to follow up with. So one of our girls, Addison, had um, kidney surgery uh, and that was successful and has been cleared um, by the doctors. And then Liv was actually born with two holes in her heart. Um, So she was whisked off to children's um, two days after birth and had to have some tests done. And uh, and then they wanted to just follow up. They didn't feel that heart surgery was necessary immediately, but wanted to keep an eye on her. So we had another follow-up at nine months um, and then another follow-up at two years old. And at the two-year-old appointment, She, um, went through the testing and, um, the doctor basically did all the tests, came back and reviewed everything and, and looked at us and just said, um, he used the word miraculous and said that, um, what condition she had was gone, Mm -hmm. um, and that, Um, not only did, was this in her past, but it actually didn't even have to be a part of her past anymore. Um, that when we were filling out applications or filling out any kind of health form for her in the future, we wouldn't even have to mention her heart condition because it was just gone. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, so that was, huge for us because that was part of God telling us just to slow down and wait was, um, just making sure that our kids were okay. Um, and yeah. And then shortly after, well, the girls were a year old and we found out we were pregnant again. So all of this has all been happening while being pregnant with a third. Um, and then Reed was born and, uh, and then he also at three months old had an emergency, uh, surgery for, um, something going on with his bowels. Um, and so we took care of that and God was with us through that. And he was also cleared from that condition. And so once we received um, the all clear for the surgeons, we were still following, being followed by a pediatrician. And, uh, and eventually she just said to me, I don't even need to see you anymore. Like all of your kids are fine. They're healthy. They're growing. None of their conditions are coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to refer you to your GP. And so at that point, it just, everything started to come together. And we just started to feel God saying like, it's the time is now um, Mm -hmm. to start to discern about how we could move forward and, um, and continue on in the call that he had, um, that he had asked us to do, Mm -hmm. um, and where he had asked us to go. Okay, this is the super exciting
4: part. Um, Rianne, you guys are going to a place that a lot of people are terrified to even touch down in, um, military included. And so
5: give us, yeah. Tell us where you're headed. <laughs> so we're headed to uh, Kurdistan, which is the area in northern Iraq. Mm-hmm. And uh, we are planning to go um, and work with the Yazidi people there. Um, so as you know, ISIS was a very strong movement, um, especially over the last five, six, seven years. And um, and so there's a lot of people in that area that um, are displaced and they have fled their homes and they have... Um, just had atrocious things happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so just our heart from back in our teens, both Brent and I was just to, um, just to show people that they are cared for and that they are loved. And, um, and so these people have fled, um, to Kurdistan. It's one of the safest areas in the region for them. Um, and so, yeah, we plan to live in the city called Dahouk, And there's about eight uh, different internally displaced people camps uh, Mm -hmm. in the area with upwards of 30,000 people per camp, plus people outside of those camps that didn't fit in the Mm -hmm. camps. And so there's just thousands of people that need need relief um, and they need help developing um, a proper life again because the intention was for them to flee for a a small amount of time um, that it was going to be temporary but as things got worse um, they tried to go back home and there either was no home or um, they had no jobs there was no infrastructure there was just nothing left in their hometowns for them to go back to Mm -hmm. or it was still unsafe and so they've kind of resorted to like this is where this is where life is going to be now and so um, there's there's a lot of organizations that are doing relief mm-hmm. uh, but not a lot of organizations doing uh, development and so we plan to go over with the alliance um, and and do some development work and really try to help them set up a um, a life for themselves find mm-hmm. proper jobs be able to um, build a proper home um, and get their kids in school and out of these temporary shelters. Okay. Do you guys hear that?
4: They're going to a place that many of us would never consider going with a really young family. And I want you just to like, take a picture in your mind. Cause this is, um, if you see their little girls, they're two little redheads and, and they have their little blondie boy and they're the sweetest family. And they're really special to us. Brent was one of our youth when Joel was a youth pastor at Peace Portal and then was one of our leaders. And our life has so intersected. So when they were in the hospital with their son, Malachi was there with malaria. Our lives just have always intersected in our little twin connection. Um, (laughs) but we want you to really know these people because they're going somewhere where they need us to pray. They need us to cover them in prayer and they need us, you know, This is how we partner. And so you may never be able to step on Iraqi soil, but you're sending somebody. And so um, what is one thing that you think your family could use for prayer right now? How can we support you guys before you even head out? Because you
5: guys have had um, some delays. So Mm -hmm. they were supposed to go in July, but... Mm. Yeah, but COVID happened, and uh, so we were all set to to leave in July, um, and then with COVID just shutting down all the countries and the borders, and and even Iraq just having um, pretty strict um, restrictions in to keep um, to keep keep COVID nineteen at bay. Um, they've yeah we've been delayed. Um, also, just the importance of us landing well as mm-hmm. a family, um, being a young family with three kids. They want to make sure that the alliance being our sending organization, um, wants to make sure that they can land us well. And that our first few years there are a success, um, which we truly appreciate, but it was heartbreaking to know Mm -hmm. that we weren't leaving because, uh, this has been more than two years in the works of, um, just going through different processes and praying and discerning and, and feeling God's pull for us to go there. Um, but I think, yeah, right now, I think the biggest thing for us is just um, being grateful for the extra time that we have here. Um, and just prayer that we would that we would feel settled um, here, um, and that we would, be content. Um, just one of the phrases when I lived in Uganda, um, quite a few years ago, one of the, um, phrases that God gave me was just joy in the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, so where I'm at and what part of the journey I'm at, I'm in, um, would he give me joy, not just happiness, but deep joy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I would ask for prayer for that for our whole family. Um, Mm -hmm. that as we change, um, change course and, you know, adjust to our new new normal of being here for a few more months. Um, and just the differences in, um, yeah, the girls have to go to school now in Canada and Mm. just, we might be pulling them out halfway through their first year of kindergarten and just lots of different, um, things that we have to work through now. Um, just that there would be deep joy in all of it.
4: Yeah, we can do that. (laughs) <laughs> we you. can pray.
5: And so just before
4: um we say goodbye to you, we're going to hear Brent next. He's giving the message today and we're really excited to hear what he has to say. Um I just invite you to just stretch out your hand, reach out your hand. <laughs> I'm mm. emotional. I think it's so amazing what they're doing and um we're just really encouraged by you guys you know, they came here to our house and here they are blessing us with gifts and, I, you know, just just pray for them. And so right now we're just going to take a moment and pray for them. Um, Father, I just thank you for people who are willing to go to hard places and do hard things to bring your gospel truth to people who are dying and will not join you in heaven, God, if they don't hear and receive the word, God. So we just pray over this family for a deep joy while they wait. Um and just for your hope uh that it's coming, God, and we pray for De Hook, um that that it would prepare and be prepared for their arrival, Lord. We just thank you for this family, for the health that's been um just miraculously cleared to make a way for them to leave for their hearts and we just bless them and we thank you for this family willing to do this uh, incredible journey together for the five years that they'll be over there. Lord, just uh, make a way the language, God, may they just seamlessly learn it. Um, yeah. We just thank you, God, you're doing great things. And even though COVID seems like a delay, um, they've just had extra time with family and we thank you for that. So just be with them now and be with them there. Amen. Mm So if you haven't seen um, or know where Dehook is, you can look it up. They've been there. This isn't a naive missionary couple with, um, you know, fairy ideas of where they're going. They know what they're going to do and they've been there. They've been on the ground. And so we just, um, we are so thankful that you can be here and our church has a face to the name. So nice. bless you and your husband. Thank you. Thank you for coming today. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in a
6: few. Good morning, church.
0: It is a gift to be with you. Thank you so much, Jody and Rianne. And this is my friend Brent, who is married to Rianne. And we are just excited, excited to have you here, Mm. Brent, excited for what God has placed on your heart for us. Uh, I've known Brent for a number of years, and it's uh, it's a privilege, it's an honor to call you a friend. And so, yeah, we're excited. We're excited about what you have for us. Uh, And so let me pray for you, and Mm. then I'll pass it over to you. And so, Father, we gather together as your church, as your people, mm-hmm. and we worship you. We say you, you are God. We are not. We're your servants. And so I pray, Lord, I pray your anointing over Brent that he would speak words that come directly from you that would challenge us, that mm-hmm. would draw us closer into relationship with you. And so I just pray that anointing over Brent in Jesus' name. And I pray a softening of our hearts to hear your call, Lord. Mm. Amen. Mm. Amen. Okay. Thanks,
6: brother. Thanks, brother. Well, good morning,
3: church. Thanks for having me here. And uh, thanks for allowing me to be in your space and in your homes today. This is different for me. I will be honest. I, uh, I've i preached several times before, uh, but never like this. So this is new for me. This is, uh, and I miss it. I miss being able to see you. Uh, been, had the pleasure of being with you uh, a number of times now. Uh, and you, your church, Crossroads, you have just blessed Rhiannon and I so deeply in our time here. Uh, and while we haven't gotten to know you really well, uh, and we hope to get to know you better in the years to come. Uh, You guys have truly been a blessing to us every time that we're here in this community. You guys uh, receive us so warmly, and and again, now receiving us into your homes, so thank you for that. So as Rianne shared a little bit earlier, um, we are in the process of moving. Uh, We're in the process of moving overseas to Northern Iraq to be a part of the Alliance team. And we are thrilled. We're excited. Um, It has been a season of refining. It has been a season of uh, anticipation. Um, This COVID thing has thrown a wrench in all of our lives. Um, And we're no different from that. Uh, I know that we are all suffering, not being able to greet each other. My brother Joel's here. I'm not able to give him a big hug uh, like I do. love Joel's hugs. But uh, we're grateful still because God continues to do his work and we're thankful for that. So we were in the process of heading overseas and we were going to be there in July uh, meeting with the team there and we were thrilled about that. Then we got the call about three weeks ago that um, we kind of knew was going to be coming, but... We're going to be delayed, uh, delayed until the early new year. And that again, because of everything that's going on, um, with COVID with things that are happening in Northern Iraq, um, and our hearts have been breaking, uh, because we just long to be there. God has been moving our hearts more and more so to be in that community and, uh, with those people, um, and hearing the suffering that's happening there, uh, and knowing what's going on, we just have a longing to be there. And, and we're thankful that that is there. We're thankful that God's put that in our hearts. We sat um, up on a hill overlooking the Nineveh Plains just over a year ago. And I remember thinking, there is so much history here. There's so much recorded right here in this book that God has done, that he's led his people, that he's turned a whole nation to know him, uh, to fear him, uh, and drawn him back. And, and we're excited. We wait in anticipation for that day again. But there was one time where I was standing in this old monastery, and we were reading some of the texts on the wall and overlooking, again, the plains of Nineveh. Mosul was just down the road. And someone had said that, you know, this, this monastery was... Originally started by a tribe, a group of men that followed the apostle Thomas as he was on his journey. And apparently, rumor has it that Thomas spent a significant amount of time in Iraq on his journey down into what would be India, which would be his final resting place. And I thought, you know what, Thomas, Thomas is a disciple that I've always had an affinity to. Um, he's been a guy that I feel like just kind of got a bad rap, was a little bit misunderstood. And we have this one memory of Thomas in our minds where, and I'm sure you know it, it's doubting Thomas, right? This idea of Thomas being ingrained in our collective memory about doubting and doubting the, the return of the Lord, and doubting the fact that, you know what, his 10 other brothers that he'd been journeying with for the last three years just saw the Lord and were so antici- uh, like so excited. And yet Thomas was doubting. And I, I just feel like there's got to be more to Thomas than this doubting kind of, mm, I missed it type thing. So I wanted to look a little bit into the life of Thomas today and, for us as a church, how do we draw from the experience of those that have gone before us? Uh, How do we draw and draw parallels in our own life to the lives of those that walked alongside Jesus? And this isn't to elevate them to a place uh, where of greater or that we should be following the saints. We should be learning from the saints and following Jesus as they follow Jesus. So, I want to take a moment to dive into Thomas as he followed Jesus. So what do we know about Thomas apart from the doubt uh, that is so ingrained in our memories? We know that Thomas was a twin. And as Rhianne shared and Jody shared, we have twins of our own. We love twins. And again, I feel like there's that affinity um, towards Thomas. We don't know who Thomas's twin was though. Uh, We don't know if it was one of the other disciples. The scripture doesn't tell us that. There's all sorts of speculation, but we do know very clearly that Thomas was a twin. It's noted in several languages, Thomas Toma, which comes from Aramaic, Didymus, which comes from Greek and Thomas, even now. So is known in Arabic as the word for twin as well. There's actually a group of people, a family group in Northern Iraq, that have taken that name, Toma, to mean of Thomas. It's, but what else do we know about Thomas? Well, nothing really. Uh, we know that he was one of the disciples. We're not sure what he was doing before uh, Jesus called to him. We don't know his vocation. We're not even sure where he was originally from. Some commentators have suggested that he was born in Antioch in Syria but we don't have definitive answers that we know he was probably in Galilee whenever he was called. And we know he's noted. His call is noted in all three of the synoptic gospels and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but it isn't, we don't hear from Thomas. We don't hear words from his mouth until we get to John. Now, let me set the scene for you. Uh, We're in John 11 right now. Now, Jesus is with his disciples there. They're across the East of the Jordan river and they're, they've just gotten word from Martha and Mary, that Lazarus is sick. And now for Jesus to have gotten that word for someone to be sent out, we know that Lazarus must've been very sick. And we know that there was a bit of a journey to actually get to where Jesus was. So there has already been a delay. So we're thinking that, okay, Lazarus is pretty gravely ill at this time. And in fact, by the time that we learn of how gravely ill Lazarus is, uh, we learn that he's actually dead. And Jesus is pondering the idea of going back. We know that the disciples are wrestling with this idea of going back to Bethany. Now, where's Bethany? Bethany as if we're looking at a map, um, Bethany is about three kilometers outside of Jerusalem. It's on the Southeast plains or hills of the Mount of Olive. And we know that this is a significant piece because Jesus has just been in Jerusalem prior to this. We know that Jesus actually left Jerusalem prior to this to go to the east of the Jordan, because there were throngs of Jews that were wanting to kill Jesus at this time. So the disciples are worried whenever they hear Jesus's desire to go back to Bethany. They're worried for him. They're calling Jesus. Maybe maybe think about this. Ponder this a little bit before Jesus. You're saying that Lazarus is dead already. Is, Is there value? Your life is at stake, Jesus. You've just two throngs of Jews have just tried to grab you and seize you and stone you. So it's important to note that the disciples at this time are are pretty nervous. They're pretty fearful. So fearful, in fact, that they're dissuading Jesus. They're telling Jesus, I don't think you truly understand. Verse 8 of chapter 11 of the book of John says, Rabbi, the Jews were only recently going to stone you. And you were thinking of going back there. And again, Jesus answers them, but again, the disciples push him in verse 12 and they say, Lord, if Lazarus has fallen asleep, if he's, he'll surely recover. And Jesus again tells them, no, no, Lazarus is dead and stop, stop being so fearful. But here's where we hear from Thomas. We hear from Thomas here in verse 15 or verse 16. Sorry. Jesus has just said, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am
6: glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him.
3: Now we could, pause here and we could do a whole sermon just on this verse alone and what's happening in the dynamics of the disciples. But for this sake, we want to go to a higher level. And we just want to look at for this moment, what does Thomas say? And right here in verse 16, then Thomas, who was called Didymus, the twin said to his fellow disciples, let us go too, that we may die with him. So the Thomas that so many people know of for doubt uh, is now this one that is being brave. He's stepping forward. Thomas shows a great bravery here. And now some people have said, some commentators have uh, argued on this fact as to whether or not Thomas is being sarcastic here, whether he's being maybe fatalistic in the sense of, you know what? Fine Jesus we'll go and we'll die with you. I want to I want to push against that a little bit and and hear me out. Thomas was likely with Jesus whenever he whenever he walked through the crowds. Thomas was Thomas is knowing, he's hearing, he's witnessed the miracles of Jesus during this time. And part of me wants to say that Thomas is, is taking a step of faith here,
6: a bold one, a step of bravery to say, you know what? I, I'm going to follow you, Rabbi. I think that this was a calculated risk on Thomas's part. He's seen what's
3: going on. He's seen the anger that's brewing in the Jews. He's hearing that Lazarus is already dead but I feel like Thomas is drawn to take this calculated risk and not just a calculated risk for himself. He's calling others to take this risk as well. He's calling his brothers to step into this place of trust, trust in their Lord, trust in their rabbi as they walk with him. And and as we think about our own lives and as we think about what's, Has there been times in your life where you've just known where you've just trusted where you've just felt that call to take that bold risk when it goes against all sorts of worldly reason whenever the risk is so great. And so
6: it doesn't make worthly sense. But instead we've taken that risk and we've
3: taken that chance because we've heard from our Lord, we've heard from our rabbi, we've heard from the risen Christ. I think again, we're using the life of Thomas to kind of draw out parallels in our own life. And I think so often there's moments that we miss because we're not willing to take that risk. We're not willing to really listen to the word of the Lord. That sweet whisper that quiet moment. I know that when I meet with the Lord, sometimes it is, it's quiet. Um, He's gentle with me. But other times uh, he is fairly straight to the point. I remember whenever we were considering coming on staff with Hungry for Life, uh, the ministry that I work at right now. And we were, I was wrestling with this idea of whether or not we take this step of faith and start raising support. Rianne was already working for the organization. And I thought, you know what? I'm, I'm in the trades right now. We just had our twins and I was really wrestling with Lord, you know what? Thank you for this, this opportunity that's been presented. Thank you for affirming this call on my life, but Lord, I, I need to provide I need to provide for my family. We've got these two little twins here. You know, Lord, you know what's happening. And it was on my drive to work one morning where where I was saying this to the Lord. And I laughed because it was clear as a bell and it wasn't audible, but it was just this clear thought in my mind of the Lord saying, you've never provided for yourself. And you're definitely not going to provide for your family. So just trust me in this. And I, <laughs> I remember just mind blown. The Lord was so clear, so direct with me. I got to work and I <laughs> parked the car and I said to rianne I phoned her up on the phone and I said, you know what? I think the Lord's calling us into this. And she being the wise woman that she is, she was already way ahead of me and already trusting in the Lord. And, and the rest is history. But I feel like Thomas had that moment with the Lord where God said to him, trust me, walk with me. I'm going, so come with me. Are we willing to take that risk, church? Are we willing to hear the call of our Lord whenever it defies any kind of earthly logic that we walk through? We don't hear from Thomas again. We don't know what that journey was like it wraps up pretty quick. We, the next thing we hear in the gospel of John is that Jesus is there. He's reached Bethany. So I, I often want to think of what that dialogue was like, how the disciples responded to Thomas, whether they came begrudgingly or whether they walked and felt that call. And I feel like when we step out in faith, our brothers and our sisters, want to walk with us. So again, we don't know what that journey was like, but we know that they got there and they got there unscathed. Jesus arrives in Bethany and the rest is history. Lazarus rises from the dead. There's tears, there's mourning, there's, but there's great joy. And the journey is very much worth it. We hear from Thomas again in John 14. We want to set the scene. Uh, Jesus is in the final days of his ministry here on earth. And it's the meaning of the paths over and the disciples are gathered together in the upper room. Judas is now left. Jesus has indicated that Judas will be the one that betrays him. Judas is left and you just must imagine what is happening here this brother that they've been walking through with leaves out the door.
6: Jesus has said, you're going to betray me. And Jesus is talking as Jesus talks
3: a lot of the time, very cryptically. He's talking about, he must go. And the disciples are pushing in and they're asking questions. They're saying, Ah, uh, where are you going, Lord? We don't quite get it. And we hear the question asked from Peter. And we hear Peter's gentle rebuke from the Lord. Actually, you're, Lord, I want to follow you. And the Lord saying to him, actually, Peter, you're going to deny me tonight. And you're going to deny me not once, but three times. And you must just think of the emotion in the room, in this tiny upper room, while the disciples are gathered together. And all that's happening. And I think that in these times, whenever we're meeting with the Lord, whenever there's questions before us that we don't always know,
6: there's often emotion that wells up within us. There's, there's deep,
3: deep desire to understand what's, what's right, what's happening. Lord, what are you, what are you speaking of? And sometimes when the Lord speaks to us, he doesn't, he does it isn't clear. It isn't like what happened with me. It isn't a clear picture. But in this time, I want to point to the amazing way that Jesus is coming alongside his disciples. He's, he's walking with them. And now Jesus, I mean, Jesus is very much a man at this time. And he's talking about how he's going to be glorified. And Jesus very much knows what is about to happen. And even though the disciples don't get it, Jesus is very clear. But he takes that moment, that tender moment to reassure his disciples, to give them this incredible promise. He's talking to them about going ahead of them to his father's house, to prepare a room, to prepare a place for them. And Thomas is sitting there and he's, he's hearing this. He's, he's seen Judas go out the side door. He's heard Peter. And what's going to happen to him. But Thomas is pushing in and Thomas really wants to understand, Lord, where are you going? And here in verse four in verse five, sorry, Thomas says to the Lord, Lord, we do not know where you're going. So how can we know the way? And Jesus says, this, we know this verse so well, Jesus says to them, I am the only way to God and the only real truth and the only real life. No one comes to me, but the fa- but no one comes to the father, but through me. Now we look at this, this moment of, you must be thinking, Thomas, like, how, do, how do you not get this? How do you, you've been walking with the Lord for three years now. How do you not understand that all what the son of man needs to do? Jesus has been talking and he, how do you not get it? But it's clear here that the disciples are, are trying. They're seeking to understand. They're desperate to know Jesus. We don't want to leave you. We want to know where you're going. Come with us.
6: Can we come with you? Thomas stops here and he asks the how question. How Lord, how
3: can I, how can I know the way? And Jesus is so gentle with him. So kind.
6: Are there times in your life where there's eagerness to serve him, but we don't always know the way. Are there times where you're
3: sitting before the Lord? Is there times where you're sitting in your own circumstances and you just you feel like maybe it should be clear
6: maybe it should be spelled out right in front of you but but it's not now we have the
3: ability to look back through scripture and we have hindsight and we are able to see the whole story spelled out in front of us but the disciples didn't have that but yet they trusted and And in their trust, Jesus is so gracious to them again. Again, remember that Jesus knows what's about to happen. He knows what's coming. But he takes the time to reassure his disciples. Are we able, are we making the space in our questions, in our desires, whether it's pondering a new job, whether it's pondering what the next step is for our family, whether it's a big move or whether it's a little thing, Are we taking the time to enter in with communion with the Lord and sitting and listening to what he has in store for us?
6: And sometimes it's very clear the direction that he tells us to go. Sometimes he's explicit,
3: but other times he speaks in mystery and wonder but I want to say that in the midst of your questions, he is very gracious with us. He's gracious with us in those moments of fear, he's gracious with us in the moments of misunderstanding. He's gracious with us when we come to him in humility. Thomas is asking this question because his desire is to follow the Lord. And I know, church, that you guys have been journeying through this this series of deeper. And I know that you guys are seeking as a church, as a collective, and as individuals to follow the Lord into where he leads, to meet with him, to commune with him. And bless you in that. That's exactly where he's going to meet us. That's exactly where he's going to spend the time with you as you spend time with him. And I say, church, that in this time, the disciples, I bet, are just wrestling with these questions. And we see it throughout the gospels that, yeah, there's, there's lots of questions that are presented to Jesus. There's lots of wrestling and there's lots of barbs that, ah, maybe he means this, maybe he means this, but are you, church, Wrestling through these questions of where he's leading you, whether it's in your own life or in the life of
6: your church collectively. I feel like Thomas was doing that and he's doing it well. The last time we hear from Thomas is,
3: and we all know this Jesus has returned, he's risen. Mary's seen him on the road. Mary's run ahead now to tell the disciples. And he enters into the room with the 10. And we know, okay, there's 10. Scripture is clear to indicate Judas, he's gone. He's betrayed Jesus and he's hung himself. But there's one other that isn't present during this time. And it's Thomas we don't know why. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there. We don't know what's happening. I, we know the disciples are scared. They're nervous. They're, they're behind a locked door. Maybe Thomas went out. He drew the short straw and he had to go out and get the bread. Who knows? Who knows why Thomas was out, but it's clear that Thomas is not there. But in John 20, Verses 19, this is right again after Mary has seen Jesus along the road and she's run ahead to tell the disciples, Jesus told her to go ahead. So, when it was evening on the same day, the first day of the week, though the disciples were meeting behind barred doors for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace to you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples saw the Lord, they were filled with great joy. Now, just imagine again, I, when I read scripture, I want to, I want to enter in. I want to understand what's happening, not only from a spiritual level, but what's happening on an emotional level. These disciples, they're hidden away, squared away in this room, fearful for their lives disillusioned. They've seen their rabbi crucified on a cross and they're nervous, but imagine Jesus standing in the room. And the first thing he says to you, peace to you. Now imagine the joy after the surprise and the shock, the joy of being there. And just imagine these disciples as they're, they're seeing Jesus, his hands, his side. He's speaking with them. He's communing with them again. What would that be like? What would that be like to stand and see the Lord after he's just risen? Now, imagine Thomas. Poor Thomas is out getting bread or water or who knows walking the camels. I don't know what Thomas was doing during this time, but Thomas wasn't there. And imagine coming back into this room. Jesus is no longer there. He's, he's gone away again, but imagine coming back into that room and seeing your brothers that you've walked with for this time.
6: Who, when you left were fearful and in doubt and, And now they're jubilant.
3: They're joyful. They're bouncing off the walls. They've just seen Jesus.
6: And imagine Thomas. Imagine being Thomas. Why? You saw Jesus? Why didn't I see Jesus? Why couldn't he have come five minutes from now? Why couldn't he? We don't know how long
3: Thomas was out. Why didn't he come when Thomas was back in that room, we don't know the answer to that. But I imagine Thomas asked that question a lot. And I imagine that there is initially this surprise. But I imagine that in the midst of this,
6: there's, there's a great heartbreak. There's this shield that goes up in Thomas's life of Raw emotion. So,
3: what do we do in the midst of not wanting to feel emotion? Many of us bring up our shields. What do those shields look like? They look different in a lot of our lives. Some of us bring up anger, some of us bring up doubt, some of us seek to discredit. But I want to say that Thomas's reaction. Thomas's doubt in this was Thomas's shield. How how could you process not being there, not seeing your risen Lord? Are you doubting your value? Are you doubting your abilities? Are you doubting the relationship that you just had your last however long that you
6: just walked? What are those things that cause us fear to doubt that cause our hearts to break. Now we know that Thomas is doubting to coin. The
3: phrase is coined uh, doubting Thomas from this. But what I think we need to look at is the fact that Thomas continues to push in. Yes, he doubts. And those words are recorded Thomas says very clearly recorded in scripture, unless I see his hands, the marks of the nails and put my fingers into the prints and put my hand into his side, I will never
6: believe it's clearly recorded in scripture. But Thomas continues to meet together with the disciples. He continues to push in eight days later. Verse
3: 26. Eight days later, again, Thomas is inside the house with the disciples. Scripture states very clearly, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came through the doors that had been barred. Still, they're fearful. Still, they've seen Jesus, the disciples, the other 10. But they're still fearful of what's outside. They're still fearful of what's going on. But Jesus again comes through and he says, peace be with you. He addresses
6: them all and he brings peace. And then he says, Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. He knows what Thomas has been wrestling with. He knows And he is so gracious to go to Thomas. Come. Come be with me, Thomas. Come see for yourself. Do not be unbelieving, but stop
3: doubting and believe. And Thomas's reaction here is
6: this beautiful proclamation. My Lord. And my God now Thomas doesn't get completely off the hook here. There is a gentle rebuke from Jesus for sure for putting up that shield. But the Lord is gracious. What
3: are those things in our lives where we've experienced doubt or fear or
6: shame? Where the Lord has come alongside us and met us. Graciously. He comes in grace, he comes in peace, but he calls us into something more. He calls us
3: into be something greater than where he won't allow us to sit in that for too long. The next thing he says to Thomas is a
6: gentle rebuke. And I think in the life of Thomas, he learns his lesson.
3: Joel spoke uh, a couple weeks ago about the journey at Pentecost and Jesus again appearing in Galilee to the disciples uh, and a crowd of 500. And then he spoke about how, yeah, when we get back down to Jerusalem, whenever Jesus sends them back down to Jerusalem, the crowd dwindles to about 120. I want to suggest that Thomas was not one of the ones that was dwindled along the way. I want to suggest that Thomas was probably right out front leading that charge back down to Jerusalem because he had seen, he had known the Lord had met him where he was in grace. And Thomas turned and chose to follow in boldness church. Where are you being asked to call to follow in boldness? Where is the Lord calling you
6: to step out in faith and leave our doubt behind? Now, I mean,
3: that is the last time we hear from Thomas again, words from his mouth. But church history tells us that, like I said in the beginning, Thomas journeyed out from Jerusalem and down through Iraq and all the way to the eastern
6: coast of India. I think Thomas's days of doubting were done. Church, if we push in, If we meet and commune with our Lord Jesus, He is so gracious
3: to meet us in that, and He equips us for the journey ahead. Where is He calling you to? Where is He calling you to journey with Him to?
6: Where is He calling you to drop your shield and embrace Him? Let me pray. Father God, we thank you that you are so
3: gracious and Lord Jesus, we thank you that you meet us in the midst of
6: our hurt and our pain and our doubt. We thank you, Lord, that you have experienced these things. You don't leave us there, Lord. We thank you for that. Holy Spirit, come and help us in those areas where we are Doubting in those areas
3: where we need to trust you, in those areas where we need to ask questions. Holy Spirit, meet us in this place, please.
6: You are so gracious. Amen.
3: Thank you, church. It's a blessing to be with you in your homes. Blessings on you as you serve him.
0: Hey, church, what an honor it is, uh, Brent and Rhiann, to have you. I, I know that you're watching, you're with us and uh just a gift rianne thank you for sharing at the start letting us have a little bit of a glimpse into what's been happening for the family and brent thanks for the challenge and the uh, the encouragement the the nudge and so um church we're going to move into ministry time right now and as we do that i just want to uh, invite you to prepare your hearts to give and i'm going to pray for us and then and then we'll move on from there And so, Father, right now we come alongside Brent and Rhiann and their family. And we just ask, Father, we ask your uh, your anointing. So so we even know that your anointing's there, Lord. Just make it evident, make it clear. And so if that looks like just this peace and the waiting time for them, let that peace be so transforming. If there's need for provision or finances, Lord, would, would, would you provide double what they need? Would you go before them? Would you be even now preparing places in Northern Iraq that that as they land, they can look, to uh, how you have set everything for them would you be preparing hearts relationships for them to speak into to show how much you love them and, and i pray lord i pray that that we would be aware that just as brent and rianne and their family are called globally we are called locally just as much and so i pray that same abundance and anointing for every single one of us that, that we would orient ourselves so that that everything comes with you in mind first that we work because you have called us to be light, to be salt with those around us, that, that we, we give because we love you, Lord, because you have given so much for us. And so, Father, we, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you've given. We thank you for the way that you've made, and, and we receive your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. So church, we're going to move into ministry time right now. If there is anything that we can pray for you about, any need, any, any situation, please click the prayer button. Don't leave before you've done that. Uh, we want to come alongside you. And I want to encourage you, encourage us to keep praying, uh, to keep bringing Brent and Rhiannon and their family before the Lord to keep praying uh, their, their provision and the way as they prepare and then, and then leave for overseas.
6: So bless you, church. Have an amazing week, and we'll see you soon.